0: Five, four, three, (laughs) two. That's pretty good. One. (laughs) You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. (laughs) That
1: was very good. I hate to compliment you so early in the show, but that was pretty good.
0: Thank you, thank you. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside pop culture with fanboy and know-it-all. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And that iconic line that you heard was delivered by none other than Michael Caine. Michael Caine. In 1969. That is most Michael Caine-ish. The Italian job. Yeah. We scratched that off Paul's and mine back Yeah, because you had Paul's never stream. seen it. I would never seen it. It was officially on Paul's list. But I'd never seen it either. Just I'd only seen the updated 2003 version with Marky, yeah. Marky Mark.
1: Exactly. Charlie uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah. I've talked with people who think that's the only version there is.
0: And without getting into spoilers, perhaps maybe that should have been the only version <laughs> there ever was. Um, but inspired by the Italian job, and of course, it's most iconic for that line... Uh, From Michael Caine It was actually voted as the most iconic line In British cinema in the UK In the early 2000s Who knows if it's changed since then, possibly But uh, it's, it's about the Mini Coopers it's always been about the Mini Coopers. It's all about and the Mini Coopers. of course, the other cars. Well,
1: it's about Michael Caine and Mini Coopers. Yeah. I, was, I was just talking to my wife about this this morning, you know. It is completely Michael Caine's show from beginning to end. You know, the the remake of The Italian Job is more like a – it's almost like an anti-Mission Impossible caper, you know, where you have Mark Wahlberg sort of heading up this team of really skilled people. In the original 1969 – Italian job, it is all Michael Caine. So, inspired by
0: the car side of that equation, yes, we're gonna also do a rank geeks and rank our the best, the top, our favorite movie cars ever, ever, ever. Which is is gonna be pretty interesting because I am not a car guy. I'm just not. I'm all like, which is insane. Not I'm not just not a car guy. I know nothing about cars. I'm ignorant about cars. I don't care about cars. If the car moves from point A to point B, I'm happy. And I assume that all is well and, and all
1: will be well until it breaks. See, and, and that's, that's insane. I, I always thought that every American kid, you know, like 12 to 15 – they love cars. Like I I was not your typical American kid and I had posters of cars all over
0: my yeah, bed. I never had a poster of a car, didn't never? have books about cars, didn't have magazines. I've never even looked inside a magazine about cars. What? Not even This is crazy. not even in the other stereotype when people used to do it for the girls, which is a problem. I didn't I... even do that in my stupid moments of youth. Like I did not I just didn't care about cars. But I had I I I I ranked some <laughs> and
1: so i get to be <laughs> the know-it-all you know what? and that works because the know-it-all gets the to little say <laughs> ford Taurus parked on the side of the street but you know that's that's going to be for real best. yeah yeah
0: um so but it, it'll be fun because i get to really shine in my know-it-all role <laughs> uh, of i i'd know nothing about cars but i get to have a strong opinion about the best all right. And I'm going to rank them and I'm going to tell you what is the best movie car ever. And you have to listen to me because I will listen
1: to you. I'm sure I will disagree with you because you'll probably say, "Oh, you know what the best car is? It's really a plane." Yeah. Because Right.
0: or a submarine.
1: Yeah, you tend to you or tend a, to change like the definition Zeppelin, of these things as you go along. So we're going
0: to but before we get to ranking the best movie cars ever, before we get to the most least wait. important thing, it's time to talk about The Italian Job. Here we are inside the backlist hall of shame, the echoes of our voices, kind of dreary against the cobwebs and dust that filters down from the light. Below, It's only a little bit of light from a singular skylight that just shines somehow everywhere on our shame. It just follows our shame (laughs) around the entire hall. That's why they call it the Hall of Shame, the Backlist Hall of Shame. This is our last
1: movie
0: that we had to knock off
1: of our first trip through the Backlist Hall of Shame. Our usual late summer voyage through the Hall of Shame. We're going to have to lock it up for another year.
0: Yeah right. I think so. We're gonna have to come back, pick some movies for each other, watch some some classics, argue about some classics. I'm curious, and, and you know what? Speaking of that, I'm curious to see if we're if we're in agreement on this one, or if there's another argument to be had. Because Paul, the 1969 Italian job, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just gonna. I'm,
1: <laughs> you're just gonna spoil just it gonna, right now.
0: I'm not. Gonna, yeah, there's gonna be spoilers for this movie, but. It's a big fat nothing burger. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Jake. What you're telling me you actually like this movie. I
1: did like this movie. No. I did like this movie. It okay. was Okay,
0: I wanna I, I'm just saying from the start, scale of one to ten. What would you give
1: it? Oh, so we're doing the scale right now. Yeah, I, I need to know Okay, I, I, I need to not, know where we're at
0: in this conversation.
1: I did not I did not love the movie. I would give it I would give it oh Curses. Okay, so the last movie we did on the Hall of Shame was Good Will Hunting.
0: Hunting.
1: Yeah. That was, you gave it a six and a half. I gave it a six and a half. See, this is really tricky because <laughs> Good Will Hunting is objectively a better movie and Way a better. much better movie yeah. than The Italian Job. The Italian Job is really a silly bunch of nothing in some ways a
0: big nothing burger
1: but i really enjoyed it no and it was really fun and i'm gonna give it a seven what i'm giving it a seven okay i'm glad to know i
0: needed to know where we're at before we got into this argument because i am at a solid three and a half (laughs) and And that's pretty generous (laughs) i feel like i'm 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 being benevolent giving it a three and a half
1: Oh man, I cannot believe this. I I just don't think you like anything, you know, in my in my age. It's
0: not true though. I like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, That's true. That's true. I like
1: that one more than you. I thought for sure you would like this because it had barely any women in it at all, (laughs) and so it just had it had the caper thing, which you like, right? Well, on the surface,
0: it. Yes it had the caper thing though actually I will say to the the women thing that was one of the things that annoyed me the most about it and did, uh, the women were portrayed terribly that, absolutely oh, horribly was, this
1: is it was terribly sexist
0: this yeah case in point this should be only this movie should only be used in college film courses to teach you about how not to portray women like it was this terrible. is terrible yeah they were objects they were dumb dumb they were only there to satisfy michael cain and multiple of them at a time like yeah and what it was absolutely horrendous they're just eye candy for michael Caine to sleep with in massive quantities and that's it yeah yeah and all, no, uh, well, and it, it gets a g rating because it's off screen but it really should have gotten a pg rating Like, because of
1: all the innuendos. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. His multiple origins. I I totally agree. I totally agree with this particular point. The the women were treated (laughs) terribly. And really, it was interesting because as I watched this movie, the whole vibe. You know, the the Austin Powers movies, mm-hmm. right? They're, I always—I never watched
0: were, them, but yeah, I know well, about them. you're
1: not missing a whole lot. Yeah. But but the Austin Powers movies have that sort of groovy British vibe going that, that's supposed to be sort of replicating uh, the James Bond movies. Really, I think they took a lot more inspiration from The Italian Job because The Italian Job is just a super groovy movie with lots of color, lots of flair, lots of panache. And it treats women terribly. Yeah. You know, it's just – it just is a product of its time. And in some ways, it hasn't aged particularly well. But it has a certain charm to it that we'll get into, that I'll get into. (laughs) All right.
0: Tell me – Paul, try to sell me on the charm of this movie because, frankly, I almost fell asleep multiple times. I had to force – it was like I only finished this movie out of duty –
1: out of to our duty listeners. to this podcast. Yeah, to
0: this podcast. And I'm not even kidding about that. <laughs> I, I almost fell asleep multiple times. I wanted to turn it off. If it was not – if I had just come across this movie, I would have turned it off and gone to bed in a heartbeat, which is crazy for me. Okay, Because so, I've finished some really bad
1: movies. Well, I know you have. Yeah. So what was the point in which the movie <clears> – <throat> what was the point in which the movie lost you? Um – from the moment he walked out of prison, no, it wasn't. We should probably set this movie up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the basic plot line is Michael. Caine, we start with Michael Caine coming out of prison, right, into the real world, and at, even as he's leaving prison, the rumors are swirling that he's going to pull a another job, job in Italy. Yeah, you know, so he's a he's a lifelong criminal. We get that much, you know, suggested, and. And he discovers that the guy he was going to pull the job with in Italy has been killed or has died, you know, either way, and that the job is now up to him to figure out how to finish because this is the perfect job. Perfect job. And and I would have to say actually that scene is where I first thought, all right. This is about to go one of two ways. The scene where he's watching this video, this this dead guy sure. made a video for if he dies. Yeah. Here's a personal this video is, for this Charlie This is how Kroger. to take
1: care of this, this big yeah. crime thing. You know, I'm going to tell you how to do it within this video. Right. And you have Michael Caine talking. Charlie is his name in the movie. He's talking.
0: He's Michael. talking to it. Yeah. And um, – and so it tells him how to do the job and he's got to figure out how to get all the guys together to do the job and so he goes and gets the guys together and uh, plans the job you know, to steal $4 million in gold bricks from Italy in the city of Turin. As their are Beautiful city. Yeah. Beautiful city. Historic city.
1: But one of the things they have to do is they have to create this traffic jam. And right. So as the
0: money's en route to the fiat factory. Right.
1: So they have to figure out how to get all this gold out of Turin when there's a huge traffic jam. And so that's sort of
0: – They know, have to create the traffic jam and then avoid the traffic jam. That's, that's, that's exactly right. That's the perfect plan.
1: Oh, we're going to create a traffic jam
0: <laughs> and then we're going to avoid the traffic jam. Perfect, perfect gold. It's yes. g- it's perfect. Um, so in the okay, so in the you asked me where where it went off the rails for me. So I would have to say, in the scene where uh, Charlie, where Michael Caine is watching this film that's teaching him this perfect plan, uh, and that was a scene where I'm like, okay, depending on how they handle what happens after this, I can see that this could be really fun or really ridiculous. In, in, in an unfun way for me, and and it ended up like because, as the way this is filmed, the guy all apparently had a professional cinematographer who's tracking with him as he walks along on a mountain range. Like, so Charlie, this is the perfect crime. Right, let me let's tell not you. try
1: to overthink the Italian. Genre. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: well, that and that's what I mean. Is like I'm like, all right, it, it could just be silly because he's talking back to the screen, right? But. Then there is zero, like where I would say it truly lost me, and it confirmed that there's just nothing here. Is in the whole planning sequence from there, they take this perfect plan, and it's like, all right, now it's time to meet the cast of characters and who's going to pull off this caper. But no, we don't we don't learn anything about them. We literally well, it's just all about get a, Michael Caine. We just get a name, right? But we don't even learn anything about Michael Caine. And I think that's the thing that in that He's whole a man montage, of mystery, Jake. man of yeah, mystery. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. He, you learn nothing about any character. This is such a vapid movie. You know what? And, 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 and vapid to the point of being unwatchable. No, here
1: is the thing. What you say, the vapidity of the movie, that is not entirely wrong. This is a totally throwaway bit of fluff. I mean, it really is escapist cinema to the nth degree. And yet, when I think about this movie... And I think about the the remake starring Mark Wahlberg. Way better. I have forgotten almost every single thing about the Mike Wahlberg movie. No, I cannot remember a single thing other than they went into the sewers. See, that's just your here's old the age. Thing. <laughs> because, go ahead, go ahead, no, and then because, I'll tear you apart. Because in a second. see, here is the thing. Here is the thing. It feels like every other reasonably well put together action movie. The Italian Job has a vibe completely different from any other movie I've seen. Any other movie. It was not what I expected But it's at all. not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. You are going to remember it for much longer than you'll remember the sequel. I'm
0: not. Oh, you will. No, and it's a remake also, not a sequel. Yeah. But we... no, you won't. Like, because in my, at least, no, I won't. Because I, oh, you I, will. I was actually sitting there. I've only seen the Italian job, the 2003 one with Mark right. Markberg, right, right. once, maybe once and a half. Like I watched, you know, right. part of it. But as I sat there, as I sat there, and I was watching this one, and I was like, "There's no villain that I care about. Like the villain is so blase yeah. and bland and nothing as to be nameless and not in a good way. Not like nameless in a mysterious way. Like you see the face, you hear him talk. You, he does not come off as Particularly dangerous or villainous, and to any degree, you don't care anything about the hero's motives or whether or not they get away because you don't care about this person at all. And there's just, whereas in the the 2003 Italian job, you're like, oh, I I get the motivations. The bad guy he double crosses the dad, and the dad dies, and so then th- oh and then the screws, he screws, over, just the, like the rest, every
1: other screws over the rest of the gang, and so
0: they're like, this is personal. We're going to take this guy out as we get this job done, and then you get to meet the cast of characters. And here's the nerd guy, who's your tech guy, who's who's silly and annoyed oh. and pissed off because his
1: great. idea oh. It got stolen Eleven. by somebody Mission else. Mission Impossible. It's oh, whatever. All the those same are all the movies thing. you love. Oh, it's don't even. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all this- you no, love seriously. that stuff. No, I do. Mission I do. Impossible, James Bond, and that's, they're all that's your jam. That it, They are all better movies. Here's the thing. The, no, okay. here's the thing. No, no, no. Oh, the, I, let okay. me finish my right. point. All right, all right, the right, Italian right. Job, <laughs> the original
0: Italian Job, is very different from all those in that it it has zero weight to it and not in the this was a fun bubblegum movie it has so little weight to it that yes. it flies off into the stratosphere and you're like I'm never going to think about this movie again except to quote the one line that Which you, you did were very only well. supposed to blow the bloody doors off <laughs>
1: It, you did that very well again, very good, Jake. But you are completely wrong about no. this movie. You are completely wrong. Okay, so so here's the thing about the remake of the Italian Job, right? It is a complete paint-by-numbers action movie. That means that it's very watchable. It's entertaining. It goes through your system like every other mcdonald's hamburger that you ever have you think oh that was pretty good and then you forget it the next second it is the italian job is like the original italian job is like circus cotton candy where you taste it as a child and you remember it for the rest of your life Uh, even though
0: it's like i like your circus candy analogy except i'd apply it to a different circus candy it's like a circus peanut (laughs) <laughs> Where you taste it as a child, and even as a child, you're like, you know what? I'm at the circus. I sh- this is sugar. No, but this is not enjoyable. No, here's this, the thing. This is not. This is-, this is. This is. I didn't know they could ruin sugar.
1: Yeah, like nope. with the Italian dub,
0: I didn't know. I, I wanted to like this movie when in the opening scene when you yeah. see the Lamborghini Miura driving oh, through the mountains of oh, Italy, such a gorgeous. gorgeous like, I, okay, I'm in the I'm in here for this scene. Gorgeous cinematography. Right. You can see the influences on Christopher Nolan as you get these shots like down the side of the car and the tires. Oh the yeah, the way he did in Interstellar down the side of the spaceship. All of a sudden, I hated Interstellar a little bit less.
1: <laughs> <Because I'm> like, <laughs> Which is another great movie. We at, to. I didn't
0: hate Interstellar. That was too strong. That was really. But true. I was annoyed by Interstellar scenes of like thirty seconds to a minute of the outside, a close up of the outside. You of just have a l- the very very short attention. It's span. not about attention span. Honestly, it's not. This movie, this movie moves along no, at no. a yeah. pretty brisk pace compared yeah, to no, some of the w- movies was, we've
1: watched. That was an aside insult. Yeah, it doesn't. But
0: me. but I'm saying like this this helps undercut you know your stereotype of me in that this movie is less than two hours long. It's only an hour and yep. thirty nine minutes, and it clicks along. And it good. clicks along. Technically speaking, there's not too, There are moments where I'm sitting there and okay, really, we're going to watch these. Cars for thirty seconds drive to an airplane to pick up gold. Like, couldn't we have watched five seconds of cars driving to the airplane? But anyways, and gotten some <laughs> character development instead. But all to say, it moves along. Te- all these technical things are in place, but there's there's no entertainment there. Oh, oh
1: my goodness!
0: And, and here's the bomb, Paul. The uh, famous car chase scene. What? Wh- why? Well. It's not good. It does not so hold it's up. it's really good. It's
1: really good. It does not hold up. But it's up. not it's a not car a, chase. It's See, not here's exciting. The thing. It's, it, here's the thing. It is car chase. It's not a car chase. It's not a car chase. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous is what it is. So look, It is ridiculous. <laughs> so so here's the thing. When you talk about no character development, right, it's yeah. not that type of movie. This is what I didn't really understand when I first flipped it on. I yeah. was expecting sort of this, this – actioner, you a know, caper a 19- movie. Exactly, a 1960s actioner caper. It was a very strange, incredibly British comedy. And because I realized that it was a comedy, not necessarily an action movie, all of a sudden you throw things into a totally different context. And you do find some interesting character development. Now, we're not talking about deep character development here. But when you talk about – so Michael Caine, the Michael Caine character, Charlie, he is is just being Michael Caine, which is pretty great from the get-go. Michael Caine is just – he's just cool. He is just cool, and so he, I will say for me, this almost ruined
0: Michael Caine.
1: Oh, me. Michael but Caine is good in every. Go. He is. I really I like don't him gonna, a lot. I don't understand how he became like this British sex symbol because he looks totally goofy. He does look but, goofy, but. but he has a definite persona that I like watching. Yeah, um, he is working with this very upper class prisoner named Mister Bridger. And he is – he essentially owns (laughs) the prison, which I thought was delightful. He – you know, the the guy essentially has this posh, palatial cell where he still does his business. The guards escort him to his own private lab. Yeah, he's a very, very patriotic prisoner yeah. essentially he's he's all about queen and country and so even though he obviously does some terrible things you know he's he's very patriotic, and that's one of the reasons why he backs this whole caper is because this is a way to boost national pride and to make a lot of money,
0: too. bring money into the English economy.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and stick it to the mafia. Yeah, you know who are, mafia that that's sort of the main villains of this movie, and even the villains. This actually proves your point and proves my point at the same time. Yeah. The Mafia are completely faceless. You never see them. And yet when you see them standing up on the hill with all their guns, matching black hats, matching black suits, they look super cool and super intimidating and kind of crazy. And so because of this, you have some really visually delightful elements to this movie that stick with you. It is, it is a piece of late 1960s groovy uh, groovy cinema essentially and it feels like that and if you appreciate you know kind of that 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 weird vibe, that 1960s vibe, I think that you appreciate the Italian job.
0: Interesting. Well, the funny thing is, is as I watched the opening title sequence with the car, like I said, the Lamborghini driving the Lamborghini through the was mountains. was just gorgeous. The feel of the movie I really liked. And, and so it put me on a good foot to start. Because I... As much as you make fun of me, I actually do like the 60s cinema, and I watched a lot of it growing yeah. up, particularly westerns, but it's some so of those late 60s. Um, yeah, and so actually your your pitch about its comedic mm-hmm. value was the sales pitch I was, I was actually sort of subconsciously hoping for, and not because it totally changes the movie for me, but almost because I was – as I was watching it and after it was all done, I was almost hoping – Okay, I just maybe I'm missing the joke here. And maybe it's just because I'm on, I'm not a true anglophile cuz I actually I love Monty Python's Flying Circus. You know, I've watched so many of those reruns and the Monty Python work, keeping up appearances, you know, a classic, you know, tidy little British show and the IT crowd and I've spent a lot of time in British comedy. Right. This one was very different from any British comedy I had watched previously. And maybe that's its blend with the action kind of smoldering, like sex symbol Michael Caine, like the way they use that humor and the nationalistic stuff with Mr. Bridger. And maybe that – maybe it's just because I watched most of the understated or really oddball stuff and I didn't watch – this style of British humor. And so I kinda wondered once it was all done, I was like, did I hate it this much because <laughs> I just don't get the humor of it. Yeah. And I maybe just needed to be a lot more British and a lot more of a real Anglophile to actually like it. And so that that sales pitch is like, all right, maybe there's something to the comedic elements of this that are just way over my head. And I'll admit that, May, you know, yeah. it didn't land on me. I could see where they were trying to be comedic at parts. But then there are other parts that felt very serious. Yeah, and so to me, the tone just never was yeah. very uneven.
1: And I think the other thing that's going on here is actually the fact that I'm a car guy, and you're really not, because it really is all about the cars in this movie. And I, we'll go. Let's go to the car, quote unquote, chase. Yeah, because we'll
0: wrap it there. That'll be a great segment. Well, to actually, our we need gigs. to talk
1: about the ending because the ending was actually what sold me. Interesting. So, so spoiler alert there 's yeah. going to be talk about the ending. Um, the car chase is ridiculous you have you have the, They load up the, this gold on the minis I, I read somewhere that the gold would have actually been like twice the weight of the minis had it right and then a smaller more compact <laughs> right exactly package. so you have these minis racing through this beautiful italian town um through sidewalks over over stair steps uh up roofs you know and i think that that When you say that that it just didn't work as a car chase, it definitely didn't work as a thrilling car chase because every single time, it was very strange, and my wife pointed this out, you know, you have these three minis motoring everywhere, and then you always have... one One police officer chasing them and then the police officer wrecks and they totally shake it and then there's one more police officer comes up it was clearly it was clearly not done to mimic you know a a hard fast (laughs) dash through the city but it was hilarious and I loved the I loved the scene it was completely pointless to get to your point this was completely pointless they drive up this ramp onto this roof. roof they they sort of sit there for a while, the police car comes up, the policeman gets out, and then the minis just drive down. he loses them on the roof, like what? (laughs) There's nowhere for them to go. It was completely silly, and yet I really liked it. And his
0: car moved randomly, like it was in the center of the roof, and then they cut to see the other cars come in, and all of a sudden it's like not in the center of the roof. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But one of the things that I really appreciated about this movie is that it ends... With an actual cliffhanger, literally, an actual cliffhanger. They successfully they successfully get the gold out. They load it up on this bus. The minis run right up into the bus, which was pretty cool. Um, and then they just start speeding down this mountain road. But they're all super happy. Yeah, the drinking. driver is laughing like He's crazy. Laughing like a maniac. And then the bus sort of swerves off and and nearly falls off the cliff. Yeah. And it's sort of balancing like a seesaw, bouncing at the edge. And that's essentially where the movie ends It's literally where the movie ends And Michael Caine says Alright lads I've got a great idea. And that's the end of the movie. That's it. You don't know whether they get off. You don't know whether the gold crashes off. Uh, From what I understand, there were four different actual endings, but then they just decided to leave it with the cliffhanger, which I thought was – I've never seen an ending quite like that.
0: Yeah, I like – I will say four – why it still got a three and a half instead of a zero or a one was that I liked the beginning and end of this movie. I liked that it didn't end in your standard tie-everything-up-in-a-bow Way and so I will say that I liked that better than the remake of the Italian Job, where everything was tied up neatly and everybody was yeah. happy in the end. I liked that this ended on a literal cliffhanger, where you're like, "Well, they <laughs> may have died a minute after <laughs> the movie ends." Um It was interesting because I was reading about that afterwards, and I heard two different explanations for why they ended it that way. Have you did you did you read up on this? Go
1: ahead. And, I may have. But yeah. Go ahead.
0: So one of the one of the reasons was that was given that I read about was that they were hoping for a sequel and that they wanted the sequel to pick up right at this cliffhanger and have the mafia come in, rescue them, but steal the gold. And then they've got it. Now the next movie is they got to get this gold back from the mafia. But then, and maybe this, maybe this was a, uh, maybe they're both actually the same reason, but like just different points in the process. The other reason I read about was that, the The Film commission didn 't want to allow them to get, let the bad right. guys get away scot free right. and so they're like all right well we 'll strain them on the edge of the cliff, and maybe they don 't get away free
1: maybe they don 't yeah, because this was sort of in the era where you could not have the bad guys win, and these guys were you know they' bad guys they were patriotic British people, but they were stealing a lot of gold yeah. so so it was a questionable thing whether they could get away within the constructs of the time. Um, yeah, so it, it was, it was a very different movie than what I was expecting, but I appreciated it for what it was. And I did not,
0: <laughs> as you heard, I would not recommend this one. But you know what? That's all right. We all have our different tastes, Paul. We some of them are good, and some of them are bad. Our
1: different tastes, and some just don't know, <laughs> just don't know taste when it smacks yeah. upside the head.
0: But you know what? Uh, you do have to admit you know, though, the cars were super cool. The cars – well, I'm not a car guy. And that's uh, and that was the other thing I was going to say is actually I watched some of the special features on the DVD because I was like, maybe this will fix this for me. <laughs> and it actually made it worse because I, the one deleted scene that they have on the DVD is of this ballet where the cars are driving on a – like it's it was supposed to be – it was filmed to be inserted in the middle of the car chase, sure. right? Uh, and where they like somehow – three The three mini coopers and the three police- three police cars enter this grand music hall that's got an ice rink and they start this ballet to this <laughs> symphony orchestra that's for some reason performing to an empty building over on the side and playing the blue Danube and the cars Is do it this the ballet
1: Danube or danube i don't know.
0: I, I i don't speak that language um <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> uh, and so they do this ballet on ice and it's like synchronized driving and it's not a chase like they're literally weaving in and not among each other like it's very much a dance yeah with the cars and then they all wrap it up and drive out the building and it's a chase again and the the commentary on that was that one of the, the guy who wrote this screenplay for this was furious to hear that they filmed this scene because he felt that it took away from the thrill of the car chase, and so I was like so that just confirmed in my mind that this was supposed to be a thrilling car chase and if they had left that ballet in there, I feel like maybe that would have clicked in my mind and been like right. oh it 's all a comedy, none of this is supposed to be taken at all seriously, and maybe that would have helped click i don 't know, but who knows. But also, I'm not a car guy, and it's time to talk about that in Rank Geeks. Here we are in Rank Geeks. It's the way we, uh, we like to put things in numerical order, because we're nerds.
1: This is like your least favorite podcast ever. You hated the movie. You're not a car guy.
0: Not a car guy. Yeah. this So this Rank Geeks list, for us smelly nerds putting things in numerical order, of the best movie cars ever, was the hardest list for me to put together.
1: Oh, man. For me, I had a really hard time narrowing it down. Yeah.
0: Paul had a hard time narrowing it down. I literally spent, and I'm not even joking about this, probably – Thirty to forty-five minutes, trying <laughs> to find a third car like, to add to my list. Me? I'm scrolling, oh like goodness. I'm going through all the lists, like top ten, top fifteen, top twenty, top forty, top fifty, top one hundred, top one hundred and fifty. I'm I went to so many <laughs> websites just trying to find one that I was like, because I don't watch car movies and oh. I don't think about the cars in car movies. And then all the iconic ones that they're talking about, I'm looking at, them, I'm like, I don't really like that one. I don't really like that. One oh my that goodness. One, it's just not my thing. I was and literally so, <laughs>
1: complaining to my wife this morning. If only we could do a top 10 on this. <laughs> and I am I
0: was scraping. I was like, I don't know what I can honestly put in my top three. And you'll see that when I get to my number three. You'll be like, What? How did you get that one? And all I can say in advance oh, is, I don't know how I got that one. And so. Oh.
1: Uh, all right. You, well, you, maybe I should, just, you have to begin.
0: Yeah, go right into that. So number three on my list of the best movie cars, Paul, get ready for this bad boy. It's a 1967 Austin Healey 3000 Mark III, Ooh. as seen in
1: 1991's "Father of the Bride." <laughs> Oh yes, that'll be an impressive, an impressive <laughs> car movie. Yeah, for sure. right.
0: It, you when you think Father the Bride, you're like, mm, great car film. Yeah,
1: yeah. So many action that car This this was chases. the one
0: that I finally landed on after oh, scraping the bottom of the car? barrel.
1: And did you just did you open it up and you said were you just sick of it and you said all right we'll choose this one?
0: No. Okay. So th- here's how I got to this car was <laughs> I went through like I said all of these lists that literally top 112. Oh, top hundred. Top 50, like I went through all of them and I got my first two and and then I'm continuing to comb through these things can't find one and then I, I just I set it all down and Paul is like okay is there any car that I can think of that stood out to me and and, and I thought about uh, I, I thought about the convertible that Steve Martin drove <laughs> in his midlife crisis and father of the Bride Oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I like that car. And I was like, well, maybe maybe I just – I need to look it up. And I look it up and I'm like, I still like that car. <laughs> all
1: right. That's the best movie car. still like Number that three, car. best movie car when of you, all when time. was when
0: actually a really sleek car. They only made these cars for a little over 10 years. Um, it, and then the company went away. So there's not that many. They only made a couple of thousand. And most of them, they're all made in Britain. But 92% of them about were shipped over to the U.S., so these British cars are very, very, not seen very often. Period, and very little in Britain, hmm. and mostly in the U.S. And Steve Martin drives it in both Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride Two. It's his. It's it's got a nice, elegant, but still muscle look to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it feels feels like it's not so muscly that they're overcompensating, but it's not so uh, refined that it becomes sort of wussy. Yeah. It's got it's got a nice balance to its design, some good curves, but also some strength to it. There you go, the nineteen sixty seven Austin Healey three thousand Mark three.
1: So, let me just ask you, (laughs) what are you what are you going to buy for your midlife crisis? When you go through a midlife crisis, what are you going to buy? Since you're not a car guy, Uh,
0: maybe maybe that'll be the thing that turns me into a car guy. I don't know. Maybe maybe that will be the, the kick I need. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just – Maybe you'll just watch
1: Father the Bride. I'll just Peter. watch
0: Father of the Bride. Yeah. And or maybe my – I'll just not have a midlife crisis. Maybe only men who like cars have midlife crises. Maybe that's true. So there you go. What's your number three?
1: All right. So – <laughs> this was this was a very hard list for me for an entirely different reason, and because of that, I'm going to throw in a fourth car.
0: Oh, you get a well. Then we should have you go first. Well, this
1: is your honorable mention. This is my honorable mention. Okay. So, originally, the, one of the, the when I was growing up, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a huge movie, right? Yeah, everybody this, saw it. It's
0: on my backlist Hall of Shame.
1: Oh, it's such a great movie, and it has a great car, a Ferrari. Mm. But. I just learned that the Ferrari that they show in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is not actually a Ferrari.
0: Well, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, so that goes off. What replaced it? That was the
0: honorable mention. That was the honorable
1: mention because it got booted because it's actually a Ford. You know, you can't have what? a Ford masquerading as a Ferrari.
0: What? Who made that decision? Like, that screws both Ferrari and Ford. Well, I
1: don't quite get that. I, yeah. I just Ford's don't like, understand. It's a cool-looking car, Yeah, still.
0: Ford would like the credit for that, right?
1: Well, yeah, because it's a nice-looking car. Yeah, it's a. it was a 1985—the vehicle is listed as a 1985 Modena GT Spider, California. Uh, a, replica, a replica car, which is a Ford fit with a fiberglass body that resembles a Ferrari. Yeah, oh, well, so go. that's off the list. To replace it, from Bullet, the very first car movie ever made, really, 1968 Mustang GT 390. Yeah, I mean this was by none other than Steve McQueen.
0: Yeah, this was top three of all the lists that I read. You no,
1: know, it's it's a great car. It is a great car, and it's made even better because Steve McQueen, who is actually a race car driver
0: the king of cool
1: yeah he drove it he is the king of cool or he was before he died horribly you know he he died from cancer so but he was while he was around he was the ultimate action dude he was just suave and quiet and drove cars like nobody's business yeah
0: and they put cars in movies with him to make them look cool
1: oh yeah like (laughs) like, this car's (laughs) not that cool but we'll put it next to McQueen and it'll be cool (laughs) There is something to be said for that. Anything that Steve McQueen stood by <laughs> looked cooler. Steve McQueen could stand by you and I, let's say, <laughs> and all exactly. of a sudden we'd would, be cool. We would be cool. We would all of a sudden have our cool quotient raised. Yeah. It would be great. Yeah, so it was. it's a great—it's interesting to watch Bullet. I, I watched Bullet a few years ago, um, and having grown up in the golden age of car chases, you know, I watched Knight Rider and uh, Dukes of Hazard and all these types of shows— You know, Bullet was really the very first car chase movie, and because of that, it feels a little bit tame to my jaded eyes. But Mm. still, the cars in it are both super duper nifty.
0: There you go. Uh, I've never seen Bullet, but I hear that it does have a cool car in it. Maybe next year, not just from you.
1: Maybe next year. Um, All right. We'll make you a car guy yeah
0: So number two for me, Paul, um, is is more recent than 1991 um but it's a but the car itself is older than 1991 so All right. newer movie older car it it is a 1970 chevrolet nova mm. as seen in 2007's death proof with kurt russell <laughs>
1: Actually, see this movie.
0: I did, unfortunately. And so, Death proof. Yeah, Death Proof <laughs> was the second okay. half of Tarantino's Grindhouse movie. Do you remember Tarantino's Grindhouse movie? I do. Where it was like this yes. horror. I never saw it. Yeah, it, like I can't even remember the name of the first half. It was because it good was two don't movies. It movies was about like that. each movie is about hour twenty hour and a half each long. Like Tarantino mashed them together, right. but they're two movies. He had one that was like Night of the Living Terror, or whatever some. Gory action video. movie, yeah. and then the second one was Death Proof, which was this exploitation. You know, it was a send up of the old seventies exploitation right. movies, right? Where Kurt Russell is this d bag muscle car driver who has these death proof cars that he's outfitted, and essentially goes around and tricks pretty young women into getting like doing these dangerous things, and then he kills them with the cars. So terrible, terrible. That's
1: a terrible. It's moral.
0: an awful movie now he actually gets his comeuppance were you not reading plugged in at the time i was but it was literally in my phase and i think you talked about it briefly (laughs) before where i was like yeah i know what's in movies so it's not gonna affect me i'll watch whatever i want all right and so i fair enough i but you know what to make it better slash worse i illegally pirated this movie (laughs) um and i and you know what Paul, you just modified my voice. I didn't actually just say <laughs> – confess to anything. Yeah, you just yeah. inserted that.
1: I just – I – um,
0: So uh, I didn't pay any mo- – Paul, quit putting words in my mouth. <laughs> uh, anyways, but I've always made – I've always heard the Chevy Nova be made fun of. And f- frankly, I be, not being a car guy, I had no idea what kind of cars were in this movie. I had to look it up. I just remembered that I liked the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always heard the Nova – be made fun of sure you know there's that classic urban myth about the nova not selling well in mexico because nova in spanish means no go right and so i'd always thought of it as a dumb car it was a bad marketing that maybe wasn't actually bad marketing because maybe that didn't actually happen anyways then i'm like try to make this list what's a car i like oh he had a really cool muscle car in that movie and then lo and behold it's a chevy nova a 1970 have you seen so have you seen this movie at all have no. you seen this car at all? Look at this car. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It's a actually. good looking yeah. car. No. It is it is the quintessential. The way he's he's souped it up. Yeah. For the movie, it is like the quintessential muscle car. Yeah, no. you're like, this car just exudes everything that you think of when you think of like 60s, 70s, yeah, strengthened vehicles, right? You know, it, and I don't think that much about it, so that says yeah. something.
1: <laughs> no, it is interesting because you know, obviously, you and I grew up in, in two different eras when I was growing up, you know, the Chevy Nova. You saw a bunch of those, you know, they were rusted on the side of the road. There were Chevy noses everywhere. There were nothing special about them at all. You know, those those big hulking beasts of steel cars, they yeah. were just everywhere, and they all just sort of blended in. Now, of course, they have this, this panache to them because they have these gargantuan engines, and they— Sound really cool, and yeah. so it's and we don't interesting. See many of them. And we don't see many of them, and so it's interesting how a lot of these cars have sort of redeemed themselves as time has gone on. I had a friend who had uh, a Chevy Malibu that we drove <laughs> around, and it, it got like twelve miles to the gallon. It was this hulking beast of a car that we just thought was the only thing that he could really afford. Yeah. And now he he eventually sold it, and he found the restored version, and it's now worth something like. Seven hundred thousand. That's crazy. I mean, not seven hundred thousand, yeah. but it's still a lot It's of amazing. Change. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting how how cars sort of redeem themselves.
0: Nostalgia is the whole thing. So, okay, number two for you, Paul.
1: Number two. This was a really really tough choice <laughs> for me because all right, so. A Batmobile had to make the list.
0: Okay. I was curious to see yeah. if, if you would think that counted because I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I considered that at one point, but I was like, no, I'm going to stick to like real cars. Real
1: cars. Yeah. And I, I totally understand that. But for me, I, I really needed to throw I a figured. Batmobile. I figured. So, and I was thinking about the the old 1966 version of <laughs> Batman. It was a modified Cadillac. It was the coolest thing. It's still what I think of when I, when I think of the Batmobile, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then I thought of the Tumbler from the, the Christopher course. Nolans because they are just so cool and so flexible. But I kinda think that they're it's actually a little bit ugly sure. for a Batmobile. So his his Bat Bike is better. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. That is one of the coolest vehicles in any movie ever. And if we were doing motorcycles, that'd be number on one. there. Yeah. But I eventually went with the nineteen eighty nine version of the batmobile okay it has about one centimeter of clearance so you would never actually be able to drive it into a parking lot anywhere
0: but it is
1: so sleek and so gorgeous has the old style jet engine in the back it has a grappling hook to take corners really tightly has the one big fin i think and it's just it's a gorgeous car no it has the two fins doesn't it yeah yeah. Two fins
0: coming over the back wheels, and that big intake in the front oh, that's, yeah. like, bigger than everything else on the car.
1: <laughs> I think that's actually one of the coolest, and admittedly, it's a fake car, but man, is it a gorgeous-looking vehicle. No,
0: I you know, it. even looking at the pictures now, um, you know, I've, I've got it pulled up here, seeing some replicas and, and seeing the original. It It is, you know what, as for what those movies were— and as fantastical as it is, it has a certain has a certain sleek grittiness to it, yeah. which is a kind of a yeah. contradiction. You don't usually sleek and gritty. I think are a paradox, but yeah. um, it does have that. It, where it could be totally ridiculous, it's not quite totally ridiculous. So it's yeah.
1: not a bad pick. Yeah, no, I, and I think that the bat the Batmobile for that it it actually I think what you what you say there is is. Is actually a really good point because I think when you look at that 1989 Batmobile, it sort of embodies what those movies, the best of what those movies were about. It's a little bit ridiculous, yep. but it has that brooding, dark, very cool, very sleek feel to it, and, and yeah, I think that it, it really, it really expressed what those those early Batman movies were about.
0: There you go. All right, number one for me. Paul, this probably will come as no surprise to you once you, once I say it, and that is a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle, <laughs> as seen first in 1968, the Love Bug, starring Dean Jones. <laughs> this is the one car movie I really liked as a kid. <laughs> And Herbie was the bomb. Oh, man. That magical sentient little bug. I mean, I tell you what, never has a car had so much personality. Never. Not even when they gave one a voice in Knight Rider's kit. Did What's a car true? have the same amount of lovable personality as Herbie the Love Bug. And and you know what? That little car beat way better cars because way of its better. magical personality. Exactly. And so, I mean, what better you know, what better lesson for our kids today? even 50 years later, to say, you know what, there may be people who are bigger than you and stronger than you and have better (laughs) engines than you and be more trained as racers than you, but if you have a lovable, winsome, quirky personality and you squirt oil on your owner (laughs) and you whack people on the backside with your door when they walk by and you shudder and shake, you can win a race and make (laughs) lots of money. But... (laughs) <laughs> it's goofy, it's dumb, but I, I really did love Herbie as a kid. He was
1: the bomb. No, you know what? Or- I considered Herbie. I honestly did. I mean, he, he wouldn't have made my top ten, quite <laughs> honestly. But, but I did have a fleeting thought about throwing him on the list because he was a cool car, right? It was. I mean, I wanted
0: a Beetle for so long. Like, I was so mad. I found out this was about the only time I got like upset with my parents about anything car-related. I was seven, so you know, take that with a <laughs> grain of salt. But when I found out that my parents had owned a Beetle before Um, i was born and didn't have it any longer like after i watched herbie the love bug loved that car and then my parents like oh yeah we had one i'm like why do you not still have one the engines
1: in the back the trunks in the front this is the best thing ever and you were probably thinking that the the bug because you saw this personality the bug was probably still crying over its lost owners Right.
0: right like they just left my parents are cold heartless people they left herbie's cousin Weeping oil. They sold him like a chump. Yeah. Yeah. Very Uh,
1: sad. Very sad. I'm kind of angry with your parents
0: uh, Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can go on.
1: Yeah. All right. So my, ironically, (laughs) my number one car also squirts oil. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it shoots guns. Okay. And it can potentially catapult passengers out of the car. Sounds like the bad Which one. sometimes when we drive <laughs> would be nice. Yeah. So... My number one car is also a 1960s vehicle. It is the Aston Martin DB5 from the James Bond movie.
0: I knew this was coming.
1: You knew it was coming, and actually, I think it was, we all knew it was coming. Yeah, no, I should have been a little bit less predictable. But, <laughs> but, and and you know what? I really actually considered like a number of James Bond vehicles because I really loved the Lotus from the Spy Who Loved Me. You know, sure. the floating car. It's that's I've never really seen cool. it, but I hear.
0: Oh, I've, my I've, I read about it last night. <laughs> <laughs> In my search of cars that I've never seen in movies, I've never seen.
1: <laughs> I really love that Lotus, but and and I liked I liked some of the Jaguars. I didn't think that Jaguars should go, you know, turn invisible like some of them did, or one of them did. But um, when you think of James Bond, you think of really cool cars, and when you think of really cool cars that James Bond drove, the Aston Martin is is number one. It's it is just beautiful. Um, it's a gorgeous car. So many different little capabilities. The ejector seat is super cool. I can buy one in Lego form now, and I'm considering doing that just it, because the car eject. is so cool. Yes, the car seat will actually eject out of the Lego bin wow. or the Lego
0: James Bond You're vehicle. only considering buying this. I'm surprised it's not sitting in front of us right now.
1: Well, if this podcast made more money, I might be able to <laughs> How to much does it, it cost? You know, it, it's way too much. Hundreds? Not hundreds, but hundred plus. I think. Okay. So that's that's a little bit more than our podcast earns typically. You know what, Paul? Well, have you had your midlife crisis yet? Why, <laughs> yeah, don't, you
0: get your, be... why don't you get yourself a little uh, Aston <laughs> yeah. Martin Lego yeah, car? Because
1: right now I'm driving a Honda Fit. I think <laughs> I think I deserve a midlife crisis Lego. When vehicle. are you gonna have yours? Yeah. <laughs> and what? Are you, I'm old. I'm, I'm past you midlife, it. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't take yeah, advantage I'm old of it now. Yeah. Or are you? You're like I'm gonna get a fit. See, the thing is, most people, when they have their midlife crisis, they have money, too. And I do not uh, have you didn't money. have any money. So, so the Lego vehicle may be the best I can do.
0: There you go. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite movie car? Ones that got left off the list that I saw frequently were Any Car from The Fast and the Furious.
1: Oh, yeah. Those are all. <laughs> or
0: um, uh, Any Car from Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies that I just frankly haven't seen. Or don't.
1: Was there a cool car in Baby Driver? Because you love that movie.
0: Baby Driver was a good movie. I honestly don't remember the cars. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a car movie. It's that's, all about. Crazy I know a guy, shout out to Jeremiah Aiken, who helped do timing, like dro- drove the cars to help Edgar Wright get the timing, you know? No for way. The mu- for the music, like syncing up the music with yeah. the car chase scenes. He helped do that in Atlanta. And so it's a car movie. There's lots of cool car scenes. I don't remember the cars at all. Sorry, Jeremiah. Why don't you tell me what kind of what kind of car you drove? That'll be cool. Oh yeah, that'll be my new favorite. That'll That'll be be your new favorite. It'll it'll bump her down the list. Once Jeremiah lets me know what he drove, and watch it'll just have been like a a ford fit or a honda fit i mean i don't know ford fiesta there we go I can't believe that i don't even know A ford fit ford fit honda fiesta one of those things oh <laughs> sorry to so disappoint sad. you all <laughs> i'm so sorry but, but but you know what that's it's it's fitting because now it's time for the most least important thing Welcome inside the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single show. Sometimes we're goofy, sometimes we're serious. Time will tell what today will be. Paul, kick us off.
1: I shall talk about Batman for the second time in a podcast. All
0: right. I, I mean, this won't Batman. be the first time you've talked about Batman for the second time in the same show.
1: No, no. Batman's my dude. But we just found out that he is an atheist. Mm. He, uh, in the latest edition of Batman, I always 53. Thought,
0: I always assumed he was.
1: Well, and see, here's the thing. It's not really news. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. Like, I know way... You know way too much. I will know way too much about Batman's spirituality with your thought. Than, than anything. Else.
0: But You wrote, you literally wrote the book on it. I
1: though. literally wrote the book the on it. The title so, is
0: Finding uh, God in the Streets of Gotham? Close.
1: God in the Streets of Gotham. Oh, not Available Finding for, God. Available at, at, for sale the, yeah, at, at right. Amazon. So yeah. buy it. Buy several copies because <laughs> then I can then buy you can my buy DB5. Lego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Lego version of the DB5. So, so if you buy a lot of copies, it would be great. But
0: <laughs> How many copies need to be purchased to, to get you a Lego? Just give me a number.
1: Okay. So if we shall... If we sell 40 copies, that'll be enough to get me the Lego DB5. All right. 40 copies.
0: 4-0, 40 copies. Do
1: it people. Do it. All right.
0: It. Let's do this for Paul. Let's do it for Paul.
1: I already <laughs> got mine. All right. So, anyway, Batman 53 has this uh, it it has this segment where where Bruce Wayne is talking about how he lost his faith in God after his parents died, which is understandable on one level. Other than it sort of counteracts sort of the original origin story of Batman where he actually prays after his parents die and it's in this prayer that he decides to become Batman. So, But the, the big headline that we were seeing everywhere after, after number 53 was released is that Batman's this atheist. And I bought my first comic book ever in this new adult era of mine, went to a comic book store, bought it. Man, those things are expensive for as little as you get. They're like eight pages and you spend like $4 for them. But that's another story. The The book was actually really interesting. It, it had a lot more depth to it than I think. Oftentimes when you read these headlines, they give you... Just a fraction of the story. It's hard to get depth in a headline. <laughs> it really is. Well, and even in the even in the stories themselves, it really missed. I think the point yeah. that the author Tom King was trying to get across, and I think that that you see this figure who's struggling with a different sort of faith. He's struggling with Bruce Wayne is struggling with his faith in Batman, mm. and it's a really fascinating comic if you happen to be in a comic store uh feel free to buy this this bit because it actually has some some pretty interesting theological depth to it so that's well, there you go. that's what i got for you
0: yeah I, I have seen the headlines i haven't dug into it because yeah my other blind spot outside of cars is comic books i just outside of Archie and Richie Rich, and maybe some Looney Tunes mixed in here or there, but that my grandparents had on hand. Right. I did mostly comic strips, you know, that were in the newspaper: sure. Calvin and Hobbes, Garfield, uh, Peanuts, all that kind of stuff. And never got into comic books, right? And uh, so, it is fascinating, and I do appreciate that you bring that level of depth to it. That you literally wrote a book on it.
1: Yeah, and I, I also did write a little thing on Batman Fifty Three. If you care to go to my blog patheos watching god you can read more about it there but
0: there you go
1: all right mine is way
0: my mine is way less important uh but you know way uh, is not is um way less uh it's got way less gravity to it it's just more of uh, it's it's real least Paul. All right. it's real least and it's it's i learned something about myself this week um i uh I was at home. I was getting ready for work one morning, and I walked into my kid's room, and I went to change my youngest child's diaper because that's what you do in the mornings. And as I exit the closet, they have a big walk-in closet where we've got the changing table. I exit the closet, and I am passing by the bunk bed, and I see this scene, Paul. <laughs> I've posted this on Twitter, I've, so you can you can see it. Um, i yeah. dangling from the top rung of my children's bunk bed, my boys' bunk bed, was uh, a German Shepherd hung like from the top rat, the top rail, and he's just dangling at the bottom.
1: Yeah, and you see like peeking. It's a noose.
0: Yeah, it looks like it looks like they used the collar as a noose. Uh, well, they just – they attach – I mean the leash is attached normally, but it it accidentally turns the collar into the noose, right? Right. looks right. like it's just – and the tongue is sticking out of the dog. And It's you a see, gruesome scene. It's a gruesome scene. And you see Chase from the Paw Patrol look like peering down from the bars <laughs> down at the – and I'm just standing there. It's way too early in the morning. I'm like, what is going on? This is my four-year-old's bed. Like <laughs> what has happened? And And so I take a picture of it. And, and I'm just like, okay, what? What do I, I? I don't let my kids watch, yeah, violent movies. Like I tend to be pretty conservative, not as conservative as my parents were when I was their age, but still pretty conservative yes, still. compared to yeah. peers. I don't let them watch. They've never seen someone hung, <laughs> let alone an animal hung. I've never even seen an animal hung. So I'm like, what is going on? And I'm sitting there, and, it, and it's funny, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this gruesome scene. I'm like, what do I do with this? And I'm looking at this picture on my on my iPad that I took.
1: You're thinking your child is either going to be a serial killer, or your animals are coming alive and
0: angry. yeah, something something's up. And my eight-year-old sidles up, is like, looks at the picture, and is like, oh, found our dog anchor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm the sicko for assuming that the dog was hung. <laughs> my dog anchor <laughs> found the dog, and they, it was just they, they just it was a facsimile of an anchor. And so that, that, then I'm like, all right. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. But then I thought on, I'm like, wait, is that some kind of sick thing? Like a dog anchor? Is that worse? Like they drowned it? Like no, they they just wanted an anchor for their big well, yeah. boat. Yeah. And the dog had a leash on it and, hey, this kind of looks like an
1: anchor. It looks kind of like an anchor. It's got, you know, the things going <laughs> it's got out the. Yeah. It's got its arms, you know. In the, I totally uh, get it. Yeah. And so, that's what I assumed actually when I first saw the dog. A,
0: I knew that was an oh, anchor. Oh, you knew it was an anchor. Yeah. yeah. See, and here I was just thinking I found this gruesome. You
1: should have given me a call. I said, scene. no, don't worry, Jake. It's just an anchor.
0: And so it sort of spoke something to my my adult mind that I would come across this and be like, oh, the horror, what's happening? Like, this is sick. My children are sick. And then they're like, we're playing boat, daddy. So, you know, the moral of the story is maybe I should watch less movies with hangings in them. Because apparently that's where my mind jumps immediately goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, that's Parenthood. Hilarious. So there you go. You can, you can check that out on my Twitter account. Just go to at Jake underscore Roberson on Twitter. Look at my photos and you can see for yourself. I know I've seeded it for you, but you tell me. Was I out of line to, to, to see what I saw or am I, is, it, is it all my fault? <laughs> oh man uh, and you can catch up with Paul on Twitter he's got a handle I do it's at AC Paul <laughs> so you can let him know what you think of his car choices yes uh, or or tell him what you think about Batman's religious preferences you,
1: <laughs> you can tell me how how miserable you think Jake is <laughs> for not being a car guy uh, but until next
0: time I'm Jake I'm Paul we'll catch you guys on the flip side bye